Turn to Genesis 41. Genesis in chapter 41. Now this is a story of preparation for a known future, a prophesied future, a given future, and very important, uh, and I want you to think about this, you know, I, I remember a story, we had, there's always this famous story amongst, between me and my brother, we used to build fences in the summertime up in the hill country, and I think I alluded to that last week, hard, hard work, you know, we're doing this in August, so we would start working just as soon as the sun could break through the clouds. I mean, we're starting early. And it was every man's duty who was there to have his own ice jug. You know, his little, they had them about this size back then. Everybody, was, it was their duty to get the ice and water in there. And that one's yours, because that's your survival for the day. We normally didn't come home till about two, two or three o'clock. And, uh, so that, boy, that was your life right there. And we, we would be way back in the hills and the, the sun would be blistering and the heat would be just unbelievable. And you'd hear those weird locusts kicking in in the heat of summer. And it's like they're laughing at you for being so foolish to be out there at that time of day. And, uh, but there was a fellow named Jeff Medlin. He was from North Carolina. He, uh, he was funny. <laughs> His jug would be empty within like an hour and a half of being out there. He'd been, he, he just couldn't prepare for the future, you know. His, his water was gone early. So what does that tell you? What's he going to do? When you're not looking, he's going to sneak over and try to get yours. It's the, it's the old famous story of the, the ants and the grasshopper, you know. you got to prepare for the future. But here's, here's God's uh, basically God's version of that story right here in Genesis 41. So 28 through 37, we'll read this story together. And this is the, this is, basically this is Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Shall we stand together? And this is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt. And the land perished not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his 
servants. And I want to read verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such an one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God is? So we're going to talk about these uh, plenteous and drought years that come into life. Let's pray. Father, please bless as I try to explain this. And we know the truth and help us this become a part of us. We understand and we live it and we experience it. We prepare and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So, the great Pharaoh had a, a shaking dream. A, a horrible shaking dream. Woke him up. You ever had one of those where it just wakes you up? And he's so troubled about it that he, he couldn't go back to sleep. You know, so he, he, hear, he sees this vision of these cattle, these seven great cattle come into the land and they're fat and they're, they're just full of health. They're beef cattle. I mean the best. You know, you can just see it. And then after them show up these seven cows, skin and bones. I mean, basically a hide on top of a skeleton. And he's seeing this. There's no meat on them whatsoever, and these seven skinny cows eat the fat, heavy cows before them. And it shook him up because he knew this was a prophetical dream. You know, if you dream something like that, you would wonder, there's got to be some type of a message behind this. You know, so if you ever get one of those type, <laughs> go seek somebody who can interpret dreams. Because he dreamed again. He went back to bed. He finally fell back asleep. He wakes up he did, after another dream. It said double twice. This time it shows a cornfield. Beautiful ears of corn. I mean, there's just the best corn you can possibly grow. It's, it's vibrant, you know, sweet corn. And then after, I'd, I'd like to see in this dream. And after that shows up these puny little corn plants with nothing on them just a shoot coming out of the ground and somehow that little shoot devoured all of the lush fat they call it ranking good ranking good corn plants and so it shook him up because this was doubled unto him twice he said what this has to mean something so he called all the wise men of the land none of them could know you know uh, Yard studying in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar asked a, uh, even a double hard, a hard thing, didn't he? He said, I'm not even going to tell you my dream. You're going to have to tell me what I dreamed. Then you're going to have to tell me the interpretation. At least in this case, he had the dream. I'm not one that remembers my dreams very often vividly. Some people have vivid memory of their dreams. They can tell you, I mean, like step by step what took place. I'm not very good at that, I'll be honest. But Pharaoh was. He, he, he told these to all the wise men of Egypt, all the religious men of Egypt. Nobody could answer. Nobody had any ideas for this. They said, this doesn't make sense. Well, the old butler, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, he said, I remember now there's a dream interpreter sitting in jail down there in the prison. Young Hebrew boy named Joseph. That one is the only one I know. And he said, I now remember my faults. I should have told you about him sooner. 
Let's go, and Pharaoh says, go get him. Interesting. He says he cleaned up, he shaved, he cleaned up, put on some good clothes. He's going before the king. It, it pays to dress right when you're going before somebody special and important. And so he goes before him, and he hears the dream, and he says, the Lord will give you the interpretation thereof. And we just read this. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Joseph knew exactly what to do. I don't think people go to the man of God anymore when big times come. I know government leaders don't. In the old days, a government leader would go to a preacher and tell them, I have a problem. We need some help. What does God say in this matter? Nowadays, they just figure it out themselves. They go to the foolish people of the world. You know, nowadays, I don't know, there's just something weird going on there, and they don't even seek God anymore about anything. Well, Pharaoh was smart. He got the man of God, which was the interpreter of dreams, named Joseph, to do this for him. And Joseph knew exactly what to do because he had very much wisdom. Now, Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. We know that. And he's, he's going to tell him, this is what you ought to do. Now, sometimes a, a Christian counselor will tell you what he thinks you might ought to do what he thinks might be best to do, what he thinks the Bible teaches you ought to do, what he feels the Spirit is leading him to do, but he's not sure. Often, though, he'll tell you, this is what God wants you to do. And so Joseph had full right to say, this is true. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this will come to pass. So Pharaoh chose the right person to lead, so in trying to live your life, you know, uh, some people are trying to live their life on their own. They'll either try to let somebody else manage it for them. They'll try to manage it themselves. They never seek the Lord. It's not going to turn out very good. They're sure not going to have the end that they had here in this particular story. It just doesn't work out. Why? I believe in certain, most occasions, especially life-changing occasions, you need an answer from heaven. You need an answer from God. You need an answer from one who's not on the earth living alongside of you. When you're on the earth, you can't see very much, can you? The horizon's out there. You can't see much. God, who's above all and seated in the heavens, He sees all. He sees the future years down the line, and He can help you. So what we also find here is that you've got to learn to manage between good and bad years. You have to learn to manage between the ups and downs of your life. And Joseph saved the kingdom. You know how he did it? Proper management. All he did was good stewardship and proper management. He saved the kingdom. The kingdom actually grew stronger because Joseph had proper management. The kingdom actually grew stronger in the worst of droughts because Joseph knew what to do. So I'm just going to give you some principles here tonight. All right? We're, this is not really a, a message in, in, in preaching. All right? So let's just, let's just let's say some things. Number one, good and bad is going to come to all of us. You can't stop it. Nobody gets good all the time. Nobody has bad all the time. Nobody has plenty all the time. Nobody has years of drought all the time. There are times of drought, times of plenty, and they usually come in cycles. 
Just as the seasons of the year, they come in these cycles. You know, we always say when it rains, it pours. It's probably because, you know, rain, pouring rain these days is a really good thing. I wouldn't call it a curse by any means. The lack of rain is a curse. You know, like the other day, it was supposed to rain all night. I don't think it gave us any moisture whatsoever. So you can look back at life. You know, you look back on your own life, you'll see these, sweat, these cycles of good and then years of bad. Plenty and then times when you were really hurting. Times when you were really doing well and you thought, doesn't get any better than this. Then times that the blow at the very end of it where you're thinking at the bottom of the cycle, well, I don't know if I can take this much more. Always God, though, pulls you out of that. It's it's the good and the bad cycles of life. Gain and loss, great strides, great fallback. Now, and these are natural, by the way. It's very natural. So the second thing I want you to say is these, it says there were seven-year cycles of good, seven-year cycles of bad. Seven-year cycles represent completion. Seven. Fulfillment. Completion. Duration to the end. Basically, it's going to finish out. So when somebody goes into a cycle of plenty, it's going to stay on them until the drought comes. I believe what the Bible says, when a man gets the power of God on him, he gets endued with power from on high, and it means for a, a time. It stays on him for a cycle. Times where he won't, God won't be on that man quite as much. That's the lower end of the cycle. And so it's fulfillment, fullness, a complete cycle. You know, so basically it's, it ran its course. So we have seven and seven. Somebody ever says, I got seven? That means it really ran its course. All right? And so usually this is the thing. It's a balance of seven and seven. It's a balance of good. And then a balance of evil that takes place. You can live in a way, though, I really believe this, where you can eliminate most of your evil days. You can't stop the natural ones that are going to come through the cycles of life. We're all going through that. You can stop the ones that you got on, brought onto yourself. Dirty bad days. Through wise management and righteous living, you can lessen your times of evil that take place in your life. But one thing's for sure. Droughty, evil days are going to come. It's a natural occurrence of life. So good and bad will come. They're going to come in cycles. They're going to come in complete cycles. They're unstoppable. And natural disasters are natural. You know, people worry about, they, we always talk about, the, it's, they had the natural disasters. Well, they're natural. They're natural to the course of this world. Uh, when a hurricane blows in off course, uh, off the coast and comes in, uh, it's going to do its, what it's made to do. It's going to do what God made it to do when He ordained the world and how things work with the storms of this life. You know, but there's a difference between natural disasters and unnatural disasters. Natural disasters are things that are coming on you you can't do anything about. Sickness, weakness, Loss of maybe family members. I, you could, you know, I've heard a lot of people tell me, I, they just told me I can't work here anymore. There's no more room for me. They sent me home. I had nothing to do with that. And actually doing good on their job. 
You know, there's a lot of things that happen in life we have no control over whatsoever. But there's things that happen that we get involved in. Contentions, right? Fights, arguments, financial troubles from lack of spend, uh, from improper management of your money. These type of things. So, I'll say it again. We're going to have our share of both. You want to lessen the evil part through wise living. But you're still going to have it. Good and evil, fortune and loss, plenty and good. It's an inevitability. So next, it's a natural tendency to trust God more in times of trouble for the Christian than it is in times of plenty. It's just natural. I've seen it my whole life. And I always wonder about that. But it's just, you know, when the troubles hit, that's when we start crying out, Oh God. Right? Oh God, help me now, Lord. Well, you weren't asking for that last year when, when everything was rosy and great, which you should have been, though. The psalmist talks about this. You need God when you're at your best. You need God's help when you're having the best of times. God's trying to teach us to need Him all the time. And, and so the opportunity, here's the thing though, when a drought hits in your life, something, I mean a famine, what that does, you know, it tests us to prove what we are, but it gives you a great opportunity to learn to live by faith. It really does. You get to learn to live by faith. If somebody had all they wanted all the time at their fingertips, they wouldn't be living by faith. They couldn't live by faith. Someone who knows where their money's coming from every month and there's no, there's no threat of losing it, they're not going to live by faith and need God in that area financially. It's, it's really a blessing to run through these times where you need God. It's what sickness is. Sickness, you know. Nobody wants to get sick. The only good thing about getting sick is that God will heal you from it and you'll feel good someday. Amen. And then you can really appreciate the good you feel because of the sickness that you went through. You can enjoy the good, plenteous years of, or days of your life because you went through some sickness. You know, people who never get sick. Somebody said this recently. I never get sick. Who? I forgot who said that. Somebody recently said, I never get sick. And I thought, well, you know, sounds like a blessing, but it's really not. It's really not. Can you appreciate feeling good all the time? And they actually went so far as to say, you know, I don't hurt much in the flesh. My body doesn't hurt that much. Man, I said, well, you want to trade? I don't think I'd want to trade. Because I know you need both to learn to live by faith. Trouble makes you look to someone bigger than you. Because you're not sufficient in yourself. Trouble makes you seek God who is stronger. And they're essential to our growth. You know these things we call droughts and famines? They're essential to our growth. Just as times of fulfillment, fullness, and plenty. Now let me ask you something. Why did the seven good years come first? How come they didn't go with the seven? You know, I was going to preach a message on that. You know, we always talk about the calm before the storm. Why can't it be the storm before the calm? Why can't we get the storm and then the calm after? Are y'all with me on that? 
If you don't have the storm, Jesus can't say, peace, be still. And all be good and calm again. And all you have is, is memories of the storm that you rode through. So here's the real thing. You have the calm before the storm, before the calm. You're going to have the drought before the plenty, before the drought, before the plenty, before the drought, before the plenty, and all the way down the rest of your life, and then you're going to have heaven. That's, that's life right there. There's your fortune. That's your, that, I just interpreted your dream. All right? Now, but why did the plenty come first? You know why? We read on it. It's to, so you can prepare for the time, the bad times to come. The whole, you know, we think plenty, we look at it wrong. Plenty is there so you can save up for when the plenty's not there anymore. That's what it's about. So when your garden, which I'm not even going to try again this year, your garden is really booming. Oh, I do have an idea. I may have one after all. But you're... You, when your garden's booming because it just keeps raining, you don't even have to water your garden. You know, there's, you better save some of that. I'm not into canning too much, but Rebecca is. <laughs> Preparing for the future. That's basically what we're talking about tonight. All right? So does that make sense to you? It's the all I got good news and bad news. Now, an opportunity is there to get ready for something. You know, in this case, it's a foreseen future. He already told them what's going to happen. you got seven bad years coming. So what we're going to do is we're going to take one-fifth of everything we bring in as a nation, a fifth, 20%. We're going to lock it up in storehouses. And that's going to get us through because he said the drought's going to be so bad you're not even going to remember the good years. You're not even going to remember it. So we're going to prepare. We're going to build barns. We're building them for the people, not for ourselves. And we're going to have this, we're going to be ready for when the bad times come. You know, uh, it's the principle of not only one offsetting the other, but it annuls it. You know, and so it, it, it becomes, hey, good news and bad news. It's like the fellow that said, uh, the doctor said to the guy, you know, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is you got 24 hours to live. What? That's the good news? See, you better appreciate this. I forgot to tell you yesterday when I heard about it. I got a few glasses out of that. It's like the, the, one, the wife comes to his, her husband and says, I got some good news and bad news. He says, wait a minute, I'm too busy for that. Just give me the, just give me the good news. He says, well, our airbags on our car work very well. Okay? It's like the fella who says to his wife, I, hey, honey, I got some good news and some bad news. She says, I don't have time. For, why is it that? Just give me the bad news first. He said, well, the washing machine's broken. But our dogs are really clean. Hey, you know what? I'm going to try that one on Maddie. She needs a good washing. Did that wake you all up? Corny, corny, corny. I'd like to see you come up with better. 
All right, listen to this verse, John 16, 21. A woman, when she's in travail, some of y'all can relate to this. A woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. Why? For the joy that a man-child is entered into the world. All the sufferings of pregnancy go away in a flash when you're holding the young one in your hands, right? In your arms. That's what Jesus said. That's like, you know, it just, it annuls the past. It can work the other way. Something really bad. You know, these filthy rich men that lived, lived their dream all their whole life and they got caught. Criminal, criminal. They're going to jail. Lost it all. Lost it all. What is it like? It's like the, you know, the, the husband and wife, you know, they're pregnant. And they are going down. It's time for the child to be born. And they go into the hospital and she's going into the labor pains. And now they're getting, and they didn't, he skipped out on Lamaze class. Which, by the way, I, I suggest to do that too, fellas. Uh, don't go to that. I don't know who this guy named Lamaze is, but don't listen to him. You can uh, pray your way through. All right? So, She's just suffering. She's having a hard, hard delivery. She, you know how it is. What's she doing? She's yelling at him. She's blaming him. She's telling him it's all your fault. That's what you do, fellas. Don't go in the delivery room unless you want to hear these things. I didn't hear that, did I? I'll tell you what she said later. <laughs> all right. I'll tell you what she said later. She's just putting it to him. It's all your fault. You did this to me. Uh-oh. Then they hear the, the, the cry of the child. And she sees it. All changes. By the end of the day, she's saying, let's have another. You know how it is. All right? You know how it is. That's life right there. Sometimes you can have something happen that negates everything you've had happen to your life up to this point, good or bad. But if you prepare for it, it should not have to be that way. Doesn't the Bible say the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul? If you want something so bad, you're going to suffer greatly to get it. And when you get it, eh, it wasn't that much. I didn't suffer that much. Isn't that what Paul said? The sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Nah, it's not that bad. Right now it feels like it is. But when you get to heaven and you get the glory days, the plenteous, you don't remember the drought that much. Uh, now, what's that famous line? Finish it for me. Past pain is eliminated by Present pleasure. Have y'all ever lived that one? All the pains of the past, now the pleasure's here, it's kind of eliminated. Right? Past pleasure is eliminated by present pain. Okay? The present annuls or negates the past. That's just the way humanity is. Why, do we, why are we so forgetful 
of things that took place in the past because we're living in the here and now. Now, people who live in the here and now, they're not going to prepare for the future and they're going to really have trouble. You know, so the old song, happy days are here again. Yeah, happy days are here again, but, they're, but you're also going to go through the blues again. Right? It's just the way life works. Uh, you know, when you have a child, they're acting up. They're really trying your patience. Not you. Not you. Well, they're really trying your patience. You forget sometimes the good times when they were a good boy, when they were obedient, when they were showing some faith, when they were showing some growth. It's some reason it's about to hear it now. Why does it have to be that way? So here it goes. When the, here, here's the truth of the matter. I've been saying it all night. So when the good times come, you know, the Egyptians, they had the best year, seven years they'd ever had. And we always think they're not going to end. We're in the moment. Life's never been so good. Well, they'd been prophesied that it's going to get pretty bad soon, right? And they even knew the time. So when the good times are going, like they say, the good times roll, I think you ought to enjoy it. I think you ought to appreciate it. I think you ought to live by faith, though, and realize why it happened and believe and trust God and, and be thankful to the Lord. And give Him glory. But you better remember that there's a dearth probably coming right around the corner. There is a dearth coming. You got to be, I think it's very wise to just know what you have while you have it because you're probably not going to have it forever. You, you enjoy it while you have it. That's the way to live. And then what? You prepare for the dearth to come. You prepare for the dearth to come. So what do you do? You save some of the benefits of plenty for when the drought comes. We say, I'm saving this money for a rainy day, right? I'm saving this one for a rainy day. All right, so, because uh, if you don't, you're in big trouble. Big, big trouble. So, Joseph gave them wonderful wisdom on how to live here. That we can learn from it. You save for the droughty years. You just do that. All right? Uh, now, preparing for trouble. Save some money. There'll always be a reason that it's coming to get something's coming to get it. You know that, but you better have it when it happens. Save some money for the future. You know, you could honestly say it'd be real hard to do this. Twenty percent. So you give ten percent to God, His tithe, and then some offerings, and then you save twenty percent for your future. That means you have seventy percent of your income to live off of. I think it can be done. I know it depends on how much you make. But a foolish one spendeth it all up, the Bible says. Why? The drought's coming. You don't have any, any food in your storehouse when you need that money so that you can... Hey, what about your health? You know, I, I'm getting of age where I'm starting to feel it. I can be honest. I'm feeling it. I'm appreciating health more than I ever have. I'll say that right now. When you're young, you kind of abuse it. You can live, you can enjoy it. You're in the plenteous years. 
there's a, there's a drought coming when you can't dunk anymore. I can remember the day when I couldn't dunk anymore the basketball. Y'all don't believe that, do you? You know why? Because I can still dunk. I'm like that little white guy that won the dunk contest. Yeah, I got springy legs. You know, the first thing that goes is your legs. I can feel it. You know, I used to do martial arts training. I can feel it. I lost my strength in my legs. Hey, save some strength for later. Save some health for later. Very wise to start saving up health now while you're young. Care about your health while you're young. You know, I used to always say, that there are some people that believe that we're going to go through some horrible times here in the future. By the way, still could. Save some food for when H-E-B, all the store, all the shelves are empty. And you pull up to the drive through window at your favorite restaurant and it's locked down. Or they open the door and they're begging you for food. It's coming. Save. Learn to live by faith now. Hey, here's a good one. Save some sanity now. When you're, <laughs> when you're feeling sane and you're feeling good and your mind's in a good place and you're not troubled and you're not pressured, you better get ready because someday it's going to come pulling on you. You better save some sanity so you don't fall into insanity. You're going to need it. Know God now. Say, hey, I'm doing pretty good these days. You better learn to know your God now. Because when the trouble comes, you're going to need to know God. All right? Don't take for granted the good times. So, show of hands. Who's got really good times right now? I'm joking. Don't, don't say that. If you're on the top of the cycle, really enjoy what you have, what the Lord has done for you. You may be going through some droughty years very soon. So enjoy your family's health now. Some of them aren't going to have it for long. Better be prepared for the loss. You can appreciate it while they have it now. Enjoy your good business now. Who's making a lot of money these days? Enjoy that. Maybe the day come when you don't have quite so much. Enjoy your harmonious relationships now. Strife could be right around the corner. You know what this is called? Wisdom. Preparation and readiness. So I'm almost done, but look what he said. In verse 33, Joseph says, You need to look out a man that is discreet and wise and set him over the whole land of Egypt. That's the wisest thing he said out of all of it. Get a man you can trust that will prepare for the future. And so Pharaoh looks around at all of his counselors and said, is there a better one than this right here? That's an amazing story to me. He came from out of the prison to second in the kingdom, just like that. And he did it. And he put him in charge. Well, who does, who does Joseph picture? He's a type of Jesus Christ. Get Christ in charge of your life. He'll help you prepare for the future. He'll, make, he'll get you through the plenty of years. And the, you know, some people can't handle plenty of years. They go to the devil. They quit needing God. They get full of pride. They get full of themselves, which I don't really like that term. 
Some people can't handle that. But with Christ, you can handle it. You've got Him managing your life with you. Turn over to Philippians 4. We'll read a couple of verses and we will be done. So Pharaoh says, we're going to let him lead. We're going to let him prepare. We're going to be ready for the bad when it comes. Philippians chapter 4. And when it ha- this is the thing. If you'll prepare for the future, you won't fall apart when the bad comes. When the drought hits, you won't fall apart for the simple reason, hey, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. And you'll see it and you'll understand. I'm in the, I'm in the seven years. I'm going to go through some droughty years here. And you're stable and you're going to grow in droughty years. You know, most amazing thing is when you can grow, when bad times are hitting you, you can still grow in grace and grow as a Christian and grow as a family even. All right, so here we are, Philippians 4, verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. He learned, see. He learned. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Give you, this is a, you know, when you're full, can you still be hungry when you're full? I know some people that do that every day. I kind of did that yesterday. I don't know what happened. We got in the car and started eating and we ate. Hey, we were having, <laughs> I was instructed to be full, like it says right here, but also to be hungry. I haven't eaten that much today. Tried to be hungry today. Both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul's saying, I can, do, I can handle the good times, I can handle the bad because I'm doing it in Christ. Christ is my Joseph. Jesus is my manager. He helps me through my life. I, and isn't it interesting in, in Paul's case, he said, I'm going through the hard first. I'm, I'm going through the hard first. You know, if you could make your choice, Seven years of drought or seven years of plenty? Which one's coming first? Which one would you pick? There's two ways of looking at it. One of them is, I'm going to live it up because tomorrow, I don't know what I'll be. But Joseph had the right idea. I'm going to prepare with my good for the bad. I'm going to prepare for my good, with my good, for the bad. Using... Wisdom. So, save your water towards the end of the day. You know, my brother and I had this principle. I'm going to try my best not even to touch my water jug till I've worked about three hours. You know, we were taught to be Apaches growing up. We were taught if you drink water, <clears throat> you're, a, you're a weakling. We were taught if you drink water, you don't, got, you don't have it. You ought to be able to to go all day without a drink. So, you know, it, 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 I had it in me. I was, I was tested and tried and true. It didn't happen every, you know, every day's different. But Jeff Madlin, almost daily, we caught him trying to steal water out of another guy's jug. Why? He wasn't preparing for the 105 degrees coming around the corner. All right. 